working with people, understanding people, not taking things personally, thinking logically is the biggest thing. So go through that learning curve, delay gratification, and you'll be successful. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I want to introduce to you Ash Patel. He's a full-time commercial real estate investor. He's going to be doing the interview today and a lot of them moving forward. I'm still going to be doing interviews, just not as many. And he is going to ask tough questions while still building rapport. That way it's not awkward. He's a good friend of mine. Join me in welcoming Ash Patel. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with our guest today, Janelle Wilson. Janelle is joining us from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She is the founder and CEO of the Savvy Real Estate Investor and has 17 years of real estate investing experience. Janelle's portfolio consists of over 40 properties that comprise 100 plus units. Janelle, thank you for joining us. And how are you today? I'm doing good today. Thank you for having me. Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yes, I went to school for chemical engineering. So I started working as an engineer and a real estate investor actually at the same time. I worked for about nine years as an engineer and at the same time built up my portfolio. And then in 2012, I started investing full-time and left my job. What were you investing in? Was it just single family homes initially? I'm mostly small multifamily, mostly duplexes up into four units. All right. So you had a full-time job and you were balancing your growing real estate portfolio. What was that like? It wasn't that bad initially. I worked for the USDA doing research and it was a lot of doing experiments during the day. And I feel like I had extra time to do other stuff after about like two o'clock. So every day I would just check on my projects, either at lunch or after work. And for a long time, it went really well up until the Great Recession. And they were having hiring freezes for the government. And then they had a buyout. And when they had this buyout, a lot of people retired. And when they retired, they started dumping so much work onto me. So then it got to a point where I had to make a decision. So that was the reason why I left. It wasn't that I couldn't balance it too. And I was single with no kids at the time. So it definitely made it easier. But it was when the Great Recession hit and the government didn't have the money. And like I said, they overworked me. So I had to make the decision. And it was the right decision. So that was for a reason. So now you're working past two o'clock and that's not cool. Sometimes. Sometimes things get hectic and I do have to put in a long week and work on a Saturday if I have to. But for most part, when things are normal, I'm not working that hard. There's weeks where I might work like five hours. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Sounds like a great gig (laughs) working for the government. So you quit your job and started real estate full time. So now you had to ramp up and really make things happen. What did you do? Well, I'm a buy and hold investor. So my goal was to build up enough rental income that almost matched my job income. And when I did that, even though I took a huge hit from losing my salary, I adjusted pretty well. I was frugal for a long, long time. My spending got a little bit out of hand. My last year, just making double, it just was feeling good. But I had to scale back a lot and really rev all my money back into the business and hunker down. And eventually I did a refinance in 2017 and my fellow had appreciated so, so much. And when I did that refinance, I had about an extra 200,000 to invest with. And I turned that into 
another huge portfolio. And now I'm like in a whole nother chapter. <laughs> so now I don't struggle. My rental portfolio pays more than what my bills are. Yeah, that's just where I am now. So I did stumble at first, but now with that refinance and pulling the cash out again and reinvesting it, I'm in a pretty good spot. I see that question pop up a lot in some real estate forums where people are like, hey, if I have 100000 or 200000 what would you do? What did you do with that two hundred grand? So I am an active investor. What that means is I have relationships with wholesalers and then I do the rehabs. I have a small crew and then I can refinance and get my initial investment out and reinvest it again. So because I'm so active, I manage, I make sure I don't have any losses. I make sure we're on time. I make sure I'm spending low money on materials. I make sure I get the biggest impact for the value add. And one year I did a whole bunch of conversions. I've turned single families into duplexes and triplexes. So because I did so much value add, not the average or initial investor can probably do what I did with that money. I turned that hundred grand into about 72,000 in cash flow into about 2 million in assets. It was a lot of wheeling and dealing and grinding though. So the average person couldn't do that. <laughs> so what do you recommend for others to follow in your footsteps? How can they build up these relationships with wholesalers? You basically have a network. I wish I would have known that sooner. So whenever I meet new people and they tell me how can I get started, which I do, I said the first thing you need to do is build up your network. People are information and every new person you meet has something that that they can add value to you. So either it's finding deals, finding hard money lenders, finding a niche that they're doing, always network and learn new strategies of what to do. That's a great point. And I learned that much later in life than I wish I had, but that is so important. Even if you have no money, no real estate knowledge, build your network, surround yourself with those people. That is great advice. Do you manage all of this yourself? Do you have partners? I mostly own them. And then with my fiance, we own about 22 together and it's just to pay for the household bills, but we manage them ourselves using building them. But recently I did hire someone in house to hire them for us. So we basically got to train her to manage our properties the way we like to manage. I did try other property managers, but they don't care as much as we care. I don't feel like they have the relationship aspect as we do, but they also don't watch our money as much as we do. If we have a turnover, we're in there the following week and finding tenants two weeks later, they seem to be more relaxed with it. And so we just found it more economical and it just made more sense to hire someone in-house to manage our properties. And what duties does this person have? Right now, she's doing everything. <laughs> I basically trained her first on managing a tenant. We also are hiring a VA too. So she gets the calls and then she directs them to the maintenance staff. We have a lot of Section 8 tenants, so we have inspections. So she keeps an eye on the inspection. She makes sure that we pass the second one on time. And now that she has a hold of that, I'm teaching her how to manage construction projects. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes. But first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. As your portfolio grows, you need financial management services you can rely on to help you save money and continue making the right choices for your company's future. Realestateaccounting.co's top-tier CFO team uses their deep industry and operating experience to guide real estate syndicators, investors, and family offices through every pivotal moment and crucial decision. Their fractional CFO services include budget-to-actual, cash flow and distributions, and reporting and valuation. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO to find out why REA is one of the fastest growing real estate accounting companies around. 
The real estate experts provide timely analysis and consultations to help you make the most informed decisions possible. See and trust where your portfolio is headed with the customized financial reports based on the KPIs that matter to you and your business. Try it risk-free today at realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. Good for you for offloading a lot of your tasks. What's the VA going to do? I try to get a lot of my tenants to put requests in through the app. I have a lot of older tenants and they're just don't want to do it. So they call. So I still have people who call so that a VA will take the phone calls, put it in our CRM or in Buildium and assign it to the person. We have a list of people that they go down for, depending on what it is, people that they call, if this person doesn't answer, call this person. And then the property manager is just going to check at the end of the, of the day and just make sure everything went, went well. So staying true to your nine to five, you're trying not to work a lot. You're trying to offload a lot of tasks, which is great. That I worked really hard to build this portfolio and I'm learning that people are asking me to teach. And I read this book again, The Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller. And in it, it does say, once you made a million or whatever, you are supposed to teach it. So I was like, oh, maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So when people ask me and they really appreciate the information and I'm doing things that aren't commonly taught, I do see a value in me teaching. So I'm trying to transition things. And I should have done this anyway, to make it more passive and to start teaching more. Now, when you say teaching, is it teaching your own staff or teaching others? Teaching others, teaching yeah. others online. For the first time, I'm mentoring. I got my first group of 10 a couple months ago. So I'm trying to teach classes and mentor. Yeah, I love teaching other people. And I try to get people to go from residential mindset to non-residential commercial. All of my properties are where people don't shower. And over the years, I've preached that so much. And I've had a lot of people take me up on the advice and I've mentored them through the years. And now the deal flow is gotten through the roof because a lot of these folks are feeding my pipeline, Mm -hmm. which was never my intention, but Mm -hmm. just a reward, so to speak, for teaching. So it's one of the most rewarding things you can do. And it it always pays back and builds your network as well. It does. I realized when you focus on people, the money just comes. Instead of focusing on the money, just focus on the bigger goal and the money just comes. The better person you are, that's just how I see it. So do what you like, help people, and you will be blessed. That's a great mindset. Janelle, early on when you started, where did all the financing come from? So I was 22 and my dad had a property across the street from my grandmother. As a kid, I remember him going across the street 
and picking up the rent. And I've always been into money. I've been always been a saver. I used to wrap up coins, those papers, and, and take them to the bank. So since I always saw them pick up money, I always had in my mind um, property across the street equals money. Now, years went by, he kind of let the property go. It was vacant for over 10 to 12 years. And when I was in college, my grandmother called me and told me that it was about to go to share sale. And if I wanted to get the house, I needed to come save it. So I found out that I owed about 5,000 in taxes and I didn't have any money. Like I wasn't working, but I got a student loan. I got a student loan and paid off the back taxes. And then when I finally graduated and I started working, I found out that it was about to be demolished by the city because it had a ton of violations. Like it had been vacant for over 10, 12 years. The joists were rotten, the walls falling apart in the back. And I didn't have enough money to do the repairs. So when I was in there hearing about all the repairs and violations, there was a contractor there and he said, I can fix everything. So he gave me a quote. His quote was another 5,000. And the only money that I had at the time, but I was trying to pay off my loans from school and everything. I used a cash advance for my credit card. Now, I don't recommend doing cash advances, but that was all I knew at the time. So I took out a cash advance and I paid him to do the repairs. Now he did the repairs. And again, I'm in a state where I don't know what to do. I got a quote, quote for high. And I'm like, I got 10,000 in this property, what do I do? And I decided I would sell it. So I got a buyer. Someone was willing to pay about 45,000 for this duplex. And it was a total gut. I couldn't believe that someone would spend that much on this property. And it intrigued me. And I decided that I should keep it. They want it and they would spend as much for it. I need to see what this is about and keep it. So I said, I'm going to figure it out. What happened was my mom was a hairdresser and I was in her salon and she had a client who had a property around the corner from mine. She said, oh, I just did a refinance. The drive-by appraisal didn't even come in and I got $70,000. That was like, what? <laughs> That's my answer. So what I did was I painted the outside, I put a new windows, put a new door and I got a drive-by appraisal and I got $63,000. I didn't get all the $63,000. I had a mortgage on it, I had liens and adjustments and all that stuff, but I had about $20,000 left over to do the repairs. I did the repairs, had more contractor drama, but I made it. I made it. And as soon as I started cash flowing, I put two Section 8 tenants in there. I started cash flowing $700 a month. And my whole perspective had changed. And I forgot all the drama I had been through. And my eyes were open to the power of real estate. And I started to build my portfolio based off of using credit cards and lines of credit. I would try to just get my name on a deed and refinance and get the cash out. So it was basically, I just got my money through leveraging credit. Are most of your tenants Section 8? Yes, the majority of my portfolio is Section 8. Okay. And why do you veer towards that? Well, I like automatic payments. I read this book when I first started working called The Automatic Millionaire by David Bach. And he has you set up all your payments automatically, has you do your allotments from your paycheck automatically. So you don't have to think about anything. So I love that part of Section 8, having the automatic payments. So as soon as I get my money, automatically deposit on the first of the month my mortgage is automatically paid. I don't think about any of that stuff. So that was my first draw to it. And then I saw other benefits of it. Like the turnover is so low. All you have to do is pass inspections and you get paid. So I don't have to fight with anybody. I mean, I have to fight sometimes, but for the most part, I know what I have to do to get paid. I'm in control. I like being in control of my payments. I like being in control of my buildings and my tenants. And it just works out. I don't have to worry about paying my mortgages. And it came in handy last year, April 1st, and people were freaking out about COVID, I was sleeping like a baby. I knew that my money was going to be there and I could pay all my mortgages. I didn't have to put anything in forbearance. 
I was able to capitalize because I could still get loans and I took advantage of some great deals because other people, they could not get financing. So I love Section 8 for that. And they have other benefits that uh, I take advantage of too. And what are those benefits? Some of the benefits are low turnover, accountability, because a lot of tenants, they want to stay on a program. And so if they do things that jeopardize it, like have extra people there, or if they tear up the unit, they will get kicked off the program. And Section 8 is a great program because they pay based off of how much money they make. And if they lose their job, the government pays the rest of it. They don't have to worry about being able to afford their rent. Also, I don't have to worry. The other great thing that I like is that I can control how much rent I get. They base their rent off an algorithm, and I know the algorithm, so I can hack it. And even if a house is not going to rent for a certain amount on a certain block in a certain area from a regular tenant, just because all they know is what's in the algorithm and I hit all those points, I will get higher than market rent than another person would who wasn't on Section 8. So that's one of the other great things about it. So when you say higher than market, it's higher than an ordinary person not on Section 8. Your Section 8 rent would be higher than that. Some areas, yes. Can we deep dive into some of those algorithmic hacks? Yep. So when you do an inspection, the inspector writes down all the amenities and he also writes down the condition of the property. So if you have a newly renovated place, you automatically get a really high tier amount of rent. And some areas, they average the whole county. So if you're in a low income part of that county, they still take the average. Now in Philadelphia, they got a little smart. And they'll break it up by zip code. So some zip codes do pay higher than other ones. So what you would do is just buy properties at the edge of that zip code and take advantage of the higher rate that you would get in that zip code. And then they also give you more money based off of amenities. So if, for example, you don't have a renovated unit and you still want to get high market rent, you would just make up the difference with amenities. You would put in a wash and dry refrigerator, and that would also bring up the rent. Putting in a washer and dryer, what's the return on investment with the higher rent? I find that the return on investment is great because the rents are higher. Does it pay for itself in six months? Does it take a year to pay it back? You can just get a standard washer and dryer for $1,000 and your rent might be another $100 a month. So it pays for itself in in, um, a year. And how often are these inspections? So they used to be every year. Now they're every other year, which is wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) you just have to clean your room once every other year huh yes yes yes, yes. (laughs) unless you have a complaint inspection but yeah every other year is not that bad you just go in there as long as you have a good maintenance crew you can capitalize and are there things that you do to keep your tenants satisfied make sure they're living in a good yeah i mean i really appreciate good service i will go to a restaurant just because the service is better than the next one if something is wrong, I complain, they say, I'm sorry, let me replace it, no charge. So I try to give my tenants good service. They appreciate it and they pay me the rent on time. So if they have a problem, I fix it. And they know that we have an arrangement that I fix problems and they pay me the rent. I'm reasonable. If something happens to them or something gets broken, it's their fault. I say, break it up over in, into three months. So I always work with them. I try to do things that work out for both of us. If things don't work out, I try to dissolve a lease or file eviction or cash keys, I try to always make sure 
Number one, we have a good relationship. I try to always get tenants who are reasonable. That's the first criteria. So if someone doesn't have a lot of money, and that also goes into the rent factor too. There's like a bunch of different factors that go into the rent calculation. But tenants who make more money, the rent is also higher. So I will take a tenant who seems more reasonable, has a better demeanor over someone who is, I don't know, high strung. Just so I know that we'll have a long life relationship because that's what I value more than the money. Do you interview all of your tenants or does your property manager do that now? Well, my property manager has been doing that now and she is seeing the difference in why I picked the tenants that way. So she picked a couple early ones. They have been a pain in the butt. <laughs> Just complaining about the most randomest thing. It's like, this is an older house. We do the best we can. The walls may not be smooth right there. It's not a big deal, but she is learning. So I just gotta let What's your best tip on finding the right tenant in the interview process? I just think that once you get used to dealing with people and you are a logical person, you're not emotional, you're not trying to think, oh, I need to fill this vacancy because I need the money. You start putting anybody in there, you'll pay for it in the end. I've made that mistake myself. So the first thing I do is just be logical and just make sure it's someone that you want to be in a relationship with for a long time, that they are responsible. They know that it's important to pay their rent and have a roof over their head and just make sure they can afford it because people can be optimistic and think that they can afford things, but they really can't. They don't think about um, things that might happen down the road. So just make sure people can really afford everything that you're asking them to pay for. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. Here's a problem you're probably not solving for right now. Have you ever had a tenant squat inside your rental and refuse to pay rent? Or are you worried about renting to a serial rent dodger? You've probably used a credit report for tenant screening before. But what if I told you you're missing out on info you need to properly verify prospective tenants? That's a problem, and the solution is Rentify. Rentify provides a summary of a prospective tenant's financial information using bank-verified transactional data you can't get from a credit check. This includes monthly income, payroll, past rent payments, and identity verification. Rentify's reports also highlight non-sufficient funds, overdraft history, and missed rent payments. It's all available at www.trustrentify.com. The best part is Rentify's financial reports instantly verify the full financial picture of a tenant within minutes, so you will no longer have to waste hours or even days verifying their information manually. And you can eliminate the risk of being duped by fraudulent documents and losing thousands of dollars getting unreliable tenants evicted. Visit TrustRentify.com and use the promo code FAIRLESS for 25% off your first report package. That's T-R-U-S-T-R-E-N-T-I-F-Y.com. Put in the promo code FAIRLESS, F-A-I-R-L-E-S-S, for 25% off your first report package. Is there a favorite question that you have? Question for the tenant. I always ask, why are they moving? 
because I need to know what happened with the last landlord. And if they go into some crazy story about how it wasn't their fault. Yeah. They're blaming everybody else. Then I'm like, nope, <laughs> I need someone to take accountability. So no, accountability is huge for me. Janelle, you have a hundred units over 40 properties, roughly. Why have you chosen to stay with the duplexes and small multifamily versus I, just a large I, complex? Trying to get out of it, but you keep sending me more deals. That's okay. the problem. I told myself I was not going to buy anymore because like I already had this pipeline. Just people just keep, they know I can handle it and I feel like I can do it in my sleep. I just keep buying them. But I think I bought my last duplex a couple of weeks ago and it wasn't exciting for me. I was like, you know what? This is a sign. I think I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm going to start doing larger. I did read the book about the syndication. So I need to get into that space. I need to network with people in that space just so I can get out of the small multifamily. Yeah, I got it. Janelle, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best advice is you have to stick with it. It is a tough learning curve, but once you learn it, it gets easier. Trust me. It's just learning it is a hard part. The mindset, changing how you think is the work you have to go through. Working with people, understanding people, not taking things personally, thinking logically is the biggest thing. So go through that learning curve, delay gratification, and you'll be successful. Great. Janelle, are you ready for the lightning round? Yes. Let's do it. Janelle, what's the best ever book you recently read? I really love Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. It teaches good leadership skills, which is great with your tenants and contractors. What's the best ever way you like to give back? I think people should give back in whatever they are good at. And I feel like I'm good at real estate. So lately I've been buying properties that have tenants already in them, which is new for me. And even though the rents are undervalued, I will not aim to push them out. I try to do stuff that works for both of us. I fix up the place and I raise it to a place that is good for them. And I feel like that is given back to my community by keeping people who have been there for years there. And I'm sure it makes up more than 10% of my salary because I can make money in other ways that don't impact people. That is great. And Janelle, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? My website, JanelleWilson.com. That's J-H-A-N-E-L Wilson.com. Awesome. Janelle, thank you for sharing your story with us. Starting out as an engineer, working for the government, getting that real estate bug after your first deal almost didn't make it, and then really thriving with your relationships, your network with wholesalers, and putting all your systems in place and learning the power of Section 8 tenants. Thank you for sharing all of that with us today. Best ever listeners, thank you for being on the show and have a best ever day.